0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One for All, the weekly show where we review and rewatch the anime My Hero Academia, and as always, not exactly in that order.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I am your host, Anna, and I am here with my other host. Nancy. Season four. That's true. It feels weird because we record in advance Mm -hmm. as as much as we can get away with. Yeah. And we recorded episode one of season four over a month ago.
1: Yeah, it was quite a while ago.
0: We did it before we did the the movie and mm-hmm. the, the big mega episode. And so it feels really weird to be kind of like, it feels like we're starting season four, but we already started it.
1: Yeah, that's what happens when you're just a little out of order.
0: We've come to a very busy arc.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a result, I am not entirely sure what happens this episode and what happens next episode. This is season four, episode two, Overhaul. And from the title, I remember something important that happens with Overhaul. But I don't necessarily remember what happens with our good hero, Deku.
0: Yeah, I feel like this arc moves very fast, mm-hmm. as, as you're going to see. We're going to talk about that a lot, yeah. actually. And, but I don't know how fast mm-hmm. it ramps. So I guess we're going to go find out. Yep. How are you doing? It's been a little while since we recorded. How was life? I had my second COVID shot.
1: Yes. And I have my second COVID shot tomorrow, which is very exciting. Uh, The timing is not perfect. There were some things I was sort of hoping to do out of state that I'm not going to quite be able to do, but I'm still excited about being able to get it over with, get that shot. And then in two weeks, be a little more free.
0: Oh my goodness. It's going to be so good. COVID will still be here. We will still be saying COVID's still here at the beginning of this show, (laughs) but at least we won't be quite as restricted by it. If you are medically able, go get vaccinated.
1: Yes, please. It's really important, even though it may not be convenient. Or fun. Or fun or anything like that. I mean, you might be getting pressure from your family not to do it. It is very important that we all do our best.
0: We want that herd immunity. Yeah. We, We want to go back to restaurants and movie theaters and life outside the house
1: and i would really like for whenever my poor baby niece baby grace catches a cold for not to get a panic text messages from my mother being like we don't know if it's covid um so think of just all the wonderful joyous things and like peace of mind that you will have if you don't have to worry about stuff like that
0: And now we'll get off our soapbox yes (laughs) and go watch an episode
1: yeah fun time now
0: we'll see you soon And we're back for the recap.
1: That is true. There was a lot that happened this episode. There was
0: a lot that happened this episode. And I I meant we are back for the recap, but we're also back for the recap, which was the start of our episode, Mm -hmm. which had... A lot more than the normal recap.
1: You know, it is the start of a new season, so you're gonna get people that are jumping on that are not necessarily like hugely familiar with the show. So either they're jumping on for the first time or maybe it's been a really long time since they've shown uh, since they've seen the show. So you need to get some sort of reminders about the major concepts. So we get a recap about what quirks are, which we all know at this point. And we also get a recap of Deku trying to get a work study appointment.
0: Yeah, which was the end of last season. Yes, really. Um, they they were moving towards that. Yeah, uh, but that's actually not really where we pick up. Strangely enough, we mm-hmm. pick up with Birdman, Harvey yes. Birdman.
1: Um, we get to the scene that we saw with twice with twice bringing this new mysterious figure wearing a plague mask to meet with the League of Villains.
0: Yep, and Shigaraki recognizes immediately that Twice has brought a very powerful individual to meet with them. It's, I mean, you, I think you can see it in the way that he carries himself, right? Like, he's confident. He's standing before the League of Villains with zero fear yeah. at all.
1: Yeah, and he's not alone. He has a bunch of buddies by him who are all wearing the similar plague masks with the bird nose. But... There's definitely, his confidence comes from more than that. And we learn that he is actually a member of the Yakuza, which is basically like the Japanese mafia, organized crime. Only in the MHA universe, like things have really changed for them with yeah, heroes.
0: The organization is what? The Shi-Hasakai?
1: Shi-Hasakai. Shi-Hasakai. Yeah.
0: We're probably butchering the pronunciation. We're so sorry. Yeah. They have a little bit of an explainer of how the Yakuza are different Mm -hmm. than villains in modern society.
1: Yeah, apparently, like, you know, they were top dog back when, you know, organized crime was more of a thing, but heroes arrived, villains arrived, and basically once All Might took over, they were really just sort of weeded out, and now they're considered to be more of an endangered species, I think is the word almost is used.
0: Yeah, they kind of scrape by, Mm -hmm. just trying to stay under the the radar. Like, the cops know they're there, but they don't really do anything, Mm -hmm. so they leave them alone. It's interesting that this individual doesn't disagree with that assessment, even if it is uh, rather pointed. Mm
1: -hmm. So this individual who we learned his name is Overhaul. That's his villain name. He talks a bit about um, his current situation and about how all for one, how his generation, I mean, he's not a a child. He's definitely adult. Like was seen as as almost being an, an urban legend. Something more his parents' generation had to deal with. But then he was on television and suddenly he was a real thing. And then suddenly he fell and All Might retired and such. And now as a result of his loss, there is basically kind of like a power vacuum. And he is eager to step up as leader, which Shigaraki takes offense to right away.
0: Yeah, he's like, you're going to say that to me when you know who, who my master is? Like, mm-hmm. are, you, are you a moron? He's like, I'm growing my forces here. I'm going to be in charge. I'm the next leader. And this dude is like, do you even have a plan? Like you had a lot of really powerful pieces and you've lost them already for almost nothing. And you can barely manage a bunch of crazy heads. Why don't you come work for me? I, he mentions an org chart. Mm -hmm. What kind of org chart are you trying to build here? And I was like a man after my own heart. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'll use you much better.
1: Yeah, he even calls him like delusional, which I really don't know if you want to keep that in your pitch for, hey, come and work for me. You're delusional. Um, but, you know, he does point out that Shigaraki has failed a lot, which is true. And he's about to fail again, unfortunately, for the League of Villains. Overhaul mentions basically that he he needs money um, and people aren't willing to invest in the Yakuza anymore. But if he has the League of Villains working for him, that will give him more clout.
0: Yep. It'll allow him to open doors that are otherwise closed to him. And in addition, he has a plan. He's like, he you don't a have plan. a plan. I have a plan. Like, we we can do this. It's going to be great. But the League of Villains isn't having any of this. No,
1: Shigaraki's not the only one pissed off about this.
0: Shigaraki tells him to leave. Yeah. And when he tells him to leave, Magni, she gets real mad. Yeah. And she pulls Overhaul to her. Using her quirk. Using her quirk with the intent of bashing his brains in, Pretty basically. Much.
1: And we get sort of this, like, five-second sort of flashback to talking to a friend of hers who said something to the effect of, like, you know, there were two people in the world. What is it? Like, people that believe in reality and people to sort of defy it or something like that and how she in the League of villains have sort of is sort of defying it and that's kind of admirable and how she always sees herself as someone that doesn't, doesn't want to be tied down and restricted in any way which i think is a really interesting character point and then she explodes basically
0: yeah we have this great character moment where her friend who is not a villain mm-hmm. is also a trans woman mm-hmm. or so it seems yes and she's a much more feminine character like she wears a dress and uh, has like pigtails and stuff which is very different than Magni yes which is really fascinating but we never get to linger on this relationship that was literally just outlined Mm -hmm. or the moment of substance that we were given because overhaul touches her hand and her whole torso from the waist up Bloats. Yes. It's just a bloody mess.
1: And it is done so quickly. Like, I remember the first time I watched it, I had no idea what had just happened. Like, it is just so sudden and so terrifying. And I feel like the the League reacts in that way as well, where they're like, oh my god, what happened? And you get Mr. Compress also trying to, like, jump in and attack. He jumps in and something happens to him like we he, he
0: gets hit by a little dart he gets
1: hit by this little tiny dart and he's like my powers aren't working like he was hoping to, as we know Mr. Compress turns people into these little marbles he was hoping to sort of cage this guy up before he can cause any more problems but he loses his powers somehow and as a result he loses his arm. Like, his arm explodes. Yeah,
0: the second he touches this dude, mm-hmm. he can't make his quirk activate. Yeah. And Overhaul does something and he loses his arm.
1: Yeah, we see, like, the sweat on his arm move somehow. Uh, on Overhaul's arm, I should say, move somehow. So we know it's connected to that. But again, things are moving so quickly here, it's really hard to sort of follow what's going on.
0: It's important to note and remember that the League of Villains has camaraderie. They're a villain team, but they care about each other. Mm-hmm. And Shigaraki tries to stop Mr. Compress yeah. from attacking. He realizes this is a bad situation, yeah. but everything's moving too fast. And once Mr. Compress loses his arm, mm-hmm. Shigaraki ain't playing yeah. anymore. He jumps in mm-hmm. and another, we see another one of those darts yes. go flying, but it misses. Yes. And Overhaul realizes that this is about to be a problem and calls for like a shield, like a, somebody to get in front of him. hmm and that dude gets disintegrated.
1: Yeah. You know, similar to Magni exploding, he gets turned to dust. And like at this, after this moment, Overhaul mentions, both of us have lost, or one man down or woman down in the case of Magni. And we should just sort of go our separate ways after this. In the League of Villains, they want retribution. They've lost one of their own. And Mr. Compress is like permanently injured at this point and his powers are gone. But Shigaraki tells them to back off, basically. Yeah, Overhaul's
0: point is we're not going to have a productive conversation. We keep killing each other and it doesn't serve our purposes to murder each other down to nothing. So let's take a breather. I'll leave. Take my dudes and leave who bust in. There's a Mm -hmm. bunch of them waiting outside. They bust in and think about it and get in touch. Once you know what you want to do with your organization, we'll owe you an arm because Mm -hmm. as far as they're concerned, the one-to-one loss like negates that. Mm-hmm. And now they just owe the league an arm and they leave. And Togo wants to go after them and like murder them. Mm-hmm. And Shigaraki's like, no. Uh and he's yeah, twice as pissed. Twice as pissed. Twice feels bad. Yeah. It's this scene is really interesting, the end of this scene, because mm-hmm. as Shigaraki walks away, he thinks about what Overhaul said to him about not having a plan. Yeah. And he thinks about what All for One has told him several times about trying again. Mm-hmm. Try as many times as you need. Like, yeah. you'll get it right. Everything is for you. And you can tell the gears are moving in his head. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to pay these bitches back. But in ain't right now. Mm-hmm. And he, what does he say? I'm going to extract a heavy price mm-hmm. for what you've taken.
1: Yeah. And that is pretty much all we see. Uh, that's Well, that is all we see of the Week of Villains this episode. We switch to Deku after that. And it's interesting because the League of Villains sort of go in and out of this arc. And there are times when I think that they are used well. And there are times when I wonder why they're there. But the point of this particular scene is to establish Overhaul as a threat. And to establish him as dangerous. Um, And smart. Yeah, and smart. And it's, again, it's the prison yard logic. If you have, you know, someone you want to show how dangerous he is, you have him go and beat up the biggest guy on the prison yard. And I feel like it is very effective from that perspective. It's also kind of cool to see what's happened to organized crime in this new world. But I take some issue with how Magni is dealt with here.
0: Yeah. Do you want to talk about that in the larger recap of the episode? Or do we want to stop and talk about it here?
1: I think we should stop and talk about it here because this is where it's dealt with the most. um, But it's up to you. Oh, we
0: can talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the one queer person being murdered very brutally on screen isn't great.
1: Yeah, it's not. I feel like, you know, you hear the term in sort of media criticism called queer tragedy, which is basically like the idea that queer people cannot be happy in stories, and that they always seek a tragic end. And it's this term came about for a reason, because whenever you're dealing with queer characters on shows, that's what happens. Either they die or they're miserable or, or something like that. And so it is never a good call, basically, to kill off your only queer character. Because you're feeding into that unfortunate trend.
0: Especially in a show that seems to treat folks who are queer or gender nonconforming as normal. Yeah. Like, yeah. it felt so out of place mm-hmm. in the moment.
1: And it's done, as we mentioned, so quickly. And then... Like, it's not touched on at all. And and we just completely go to... Because this episode's kind of rushed, we completely go to Deku and a separate set of characters that it's not really given the respect it deserves. At least in this episode, it feels like.
0: Especially considering how tight the League of Villains is, right? If they were really this cold-hearted band that didn't care for each other at all, Mm -hmm. them not lingering on that moment might have felt appropriate. Yeah. But that's not who they are as a group. You can tell Twice feels awful. Yeah. About what's happened. He wants retribution or blame mm-hmm. or something. And he's like he we didn't mention this but he's like we weren't followed and mm-hmm. Shigaraki's basically not your fault, probably quirk. We'll we'll talk about how this feels at, or we'll try to remember to talk about how this feels at the end of this arc.
1: Yeah. Okay. I definitely feel like watching it the first time, it was it happened so quickly. And it was so confusing that it was hard to follow what was going on. Watching it now, seeing it again, it still doesn't sit right with me.
0: It doesn't. And part of me wonders how much of that has to do with plans for other characters. Yeah. Like, when I think of who was present there, Mm -hmm. you know, Mr. Compress, Twice, Toga, Shigaraki. Yes. Like, if you were going to kill somebody in the moment, who were you going to kill? And, like, what plans did Horikoshi have for the characters in the room?
1: And that also feeds into the negativity of it, because when you have a bunch of characters and you're like, okay, who's the most disposable? And... It shouldn't always be the queer person. It shouldn't always be the queer person. Like, you should have storylines and plot lines potentially planned for these people. And yeah, it... We were talking earlier about how, before recording, about how killing off a character in a surprising way, like something that hasn't really been set up for, can be really effective sometimes. But other times, not so much. And I don't feel like this one lands well.
0: This felt like it was a story beat to set up the animosity yeah. and, and whatever revenge shigaraki yeah. is going to serve up here he needs a reason to be invested yeah and in making these people pay
1: yeah the tragedy is about shigaraki it's not about magni and that's a problem Anyways, now that we've we've gone down that not controversial path, <laughs> um, let's go back to the happy, lighthearted portion of the episode, which is, gee, Deku needs to get a work study. There's some there's some um, tonal issues this episode, as I'm, I'm realizing uh, as we're talking about this. <laughs> it
0: would have actually have felt better to start, yeah, with this and then transition to the darker ending.
1: Yeah, I agree. Than
0: the other way around.
1: Yeah, that. Yeah, and there's no real reason because yeah. I, I agree, <laughs> but anyways, we're gonna go there. We go right to, to the classroom where Eraserhead's like, hey guys, guess what? You all have your licenses but nobody wants you to use them. Like basically all of the faculty's like, no, it's not a good idea to send out these first years with their limited experiences to go and do their work studies. So they come up with sort of a compromise where yes, they can do work studies, but only in like these top tier agencies. That have
0: good track records. Good
1: track records.
0: I love Bakugo's reaction to this. He's so news. pissed. Where or, originally he's so excited that no one's going to get to go do this, so mm-hmm. he's not missing out, yeah. and then he's like, "Oh."
1: <laughs> so we have Deku sort of realizing that you know he needs to find his work study. So he goes and he asks All Might if he can use Night Eye, which is who Gran Torino recommended, and Night Eye is All Might's former sidekick.
0: Yep, he asked him to introduce him, and All Might's like, "Nope." No. Uh, his reasons are threefold. He says, one, he was opposed in the faculty meeting mm-hmm. to allowing the first years to start early. Two, he feels that Deku should work more with his shoot style before he's ready to, to be in real, real danger. And three, he has a real awkward relationship with that guy and he just doesn't want to talk to him.
1: Yeah, they have, what is it? Um, President Mike in the ma- background is like, ch- like chanting personal <laughs> issues or something like that. I love President Mike. He's so great. And I must admit... We don't know what these personal issues are right now. But I feel like they're not necessarily bad reasons for maybe wanting to hold Deku back a little bit. But in Deku's mind, he's like, no, I need to go and I need to be stronger. And I have like, as Bakugo mentioned, you know, in the season three, like the path has been laid out for you. You have to take it, basically. So he's like, I need to do this. So All Might's like, okay, sure, I can't introduce you to Night Eye, but there's someone who can.
0: Uh, Yeah, I love how easily All Might crumbles under the the demands of his successor. And I I feel it makes sense, right? Like Deku is in a place where the simple piece is gone. Like they're constantly reminded how society is changing at a rapid rate because Mm -hmm. there isn't someone there Mm -hmm. to step into that role. And he's like, I got to get there. I got to get there soon before everything gets really bad. And he feels that pressure and he pushes. The individual who is called to meet with Deku and All Might is none other than Mirio, our sweet, sweet, lovable, goofy mm-hmm. Big Three member.
1: Yeah. And he is with the other two members of the Big Three when he hears an announcement over the loudspeaker that All Might wants to talk to him.
0: And everyone's like, what did you do? Like,
1: well, Yeah. And he's, you know, he makes sort of a punny joke because his, his name is... He's like, I to go or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's real bad. And it's a terrible pun. Nobody laughs. which is Except sort for of, him. Except for him, which is sort of like feeding into... Now we're seeing this trend of him making jokes and them not landing all that well. Why is he making all these jokes? But anyways, he does go and meet with All Might and Deku.
0: Yep. And he's like, hey, uh, what do you want? It's really kind of interesting because... All Might's like, hey, you work for Night Eye, right? Like, you're doing your work study with him. And Deku is like, oh my god, that's so amazing. Would you please introduce me? Like, they have this very chummy friend moment Mm -hmm. over this, which is really cool. And Mirio's like, I know what you want me to do. You want me to introduce Deku to Sir Night Eye, to Mm -hmm. Sir.
1: Mm -hmm. To Sir. He always calls him Sir.
0: But why do you need me to do this? Like, he'd be super happy to hear from you.
1: Which... To me, says a lot about how in the personal issues that President Mike was chanting, they're not necessarily on Night Eye's side. There's a lot of All Might here. And, you know, Mary even points out he watches your videos all the time, which is a very Deku thing to do.
0: All Might has this moment where hes he says, like, basically, I can't talk to him because I ended up just like he said I would. Mm-hmm. Which is a really interesting comment without yeah. the context of what's to come.
1: Good foreshadowing there.
0: Good job, Pory Goshi. There's this nice little flashback scene here, too, where when Deku and Mirio are talking on the couch, mm-hmm. where we see All Might talking to the principal in the past yes. about trying to find a successor here. And the principal recommends Mirio. Like, his, yeah. his attitude is right.
1: Yeah, and if you think about it, he's not wrong. Like, he even points out, well, his grades aren't that great, but he does have a very loud, boisterous, All Might-esque attitude to him he even kind of looks like him and people
0: laugh around and him people all the laugh time and around it, and even though his
1: jokes are bad so i feel like you can definitely see why even if at the time his his grades weren't great why he was pointed out as a potential successor and all might reflects that he hadn't met deku at that time he thinks about what could have been basically if things have been different
0: yeah if he hadn't met deku mirio would be the successor which is really interesting Mm -hmm. considering mirio is working for nina
1: we also get a brief exchange between mirio and deku where mirio is like you know why do you want to be a hero basically why should i go to bat for you but you know said in a much kinder way and deku at first says oh i need to save everyone with a smile and then as he works through it he realizes it's 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 more complicated now like he's grown up he's grown up like he thinks about how his mother Um, was so worried about him at the end of season two, after everything that he's been through. And he realizes that he wants to, you know, have a world where, or be powerful enough that no one has to worry about him, which kind of breaks my heart a little bit. And he also thinks about Bakugo's quest to be number one and how he, he needs to become the greatest hero if he has, if he's going to achieve everything he needs to achieve.
0: He's someone who wants to save everyone.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. No pressure.
0: (laughs) Mario's like, you crazy.
1: Yep. But he agrees. But he agrees.
0: He actually says, I don't have any reason to say no, so I won't. Mm -hmm. But it's not my call. Like, I'll go make the introduction, but the rest is up to you.
1: But before we have that, we have a little side scene where we have the kids waking up in the dormitory. brushing their teeth. their teeth and sort of thinking about what they're going to do in the day. And then you get this flash and Bakugo and Todoroki are running out the door because they don't have their licenses yet. So they're basically going to rectify that or start going to rectify that.
0: Yeah, and Deku flying by the green lightning.
1: Yeah. That is the last you'll see of Bakugo and Todoroki for half a season, Season. just to give you a heads up. Um, And I think it's funny, we get these sort of little comments from the other students, Mineta especially, being like, huh, I wonder what we're going to do today. Like, the sort of the ambition is so different.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it really, really is. And then we transition to one of the most awkward scenes in MHA history.
1: This scene, I did not know what to do with it. We'll get into it. Okay, so, yeah, first it starts off normally. Mirio and Deku arrive at Sir Nida's agency, which is very impressive. And Deku is immediately sort of taken aback and intimidated. And Mirio, like, you know... He walks him up the stairs and he mentions that you need to be able to make Sir Night Eye laugh if you're going to be considered worthy of working for him. And how you've probably seen him on TV and stuff like that and he looks so stern or whatever. But there's more to him than that.
0: Yep, you're going to make him laugh. You're going to make him laugh once.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the goal. That is the goal. And probably why he has all these dumb jokes. Um, and if you think about Deku, for all that he wants to succeed All Might, He's not a funny character.
0: No. He's like, he's a very serious yeah, kind of he, guy. And
1: he's also very shy and everything like that. He's not the jokester. So the idea of him, cra- you know, cracking jokes and making people laugh, it seems very foreign to him and you can tell that. He's nervous. He's even more nervous now.
0: They go up there and Sir Nainai is being briefed by one of his sidekicks named Bubble Girl. Bubble
1: Girl. She's the girl that we saw at the end of last season with all the midriff.
0: Yep. She's giving this long kind of boring briefing and he's like, this briefing is too long. Mm-hmm. You have failed. Yes. And she's mortified by what's about to come as Deku and Mirio are coming up the stairs and mm-hmm. in the door. They push in the door very heroically in the yes. moment as Deku is wondering what kind of a person Sir Nine is. And we find him with a tickle machine. Yeah. And Bubble Girl helplessly laughing within it, looking very sinister Mm -hmm. in the moment. And he, which this is so fucking weird. This,
1: um, I'm sorry. Like, I feel like maybe if you are young and innocent, you look at this and you go, oh, it's a tickle machine. It's fair. It's, you know, it's just like, you know, being tickled by a sibling or blah, blah, blah. But if you watch this and you are An an adult, adult or close to adulthood, you look at that and you go, that looks pretty fetishy. Like it it does. And it's kind of it's disturbing. <laughs> and sexual harassment in the workplace. It is sexual harassment in the workplace. Like
0: You should not have a tickled bondage machine no. in the fucking <laughs> workplace.
1: Um it is and I remember the first time I watched this being like, fuck this guy. There is no way I can like this guy after this, which makes it kind of interesting the journey his character go the journey his character goes on, but this is a weird scene. And I still, watching it the second time, really don't know what to do with it.
0: It's It feels so out of place. Yeah, it does. And unnecessary.
1: Well, think about it. Just like half an episode ago, we had the tragic killing off of a member of the Week of Villains. And now we're at the tickle machine.
0: What the fuck? What the fuck
1: is this? <laughs> but, hey, you know, we're going to make the weird even more weird. I- so Deku decides he's going to lay out his joke right away not ease into it or anything like that i wonder about deku sometimes but he's gonna basically do his an impression he his has,
0: best all might his impression his best
1: all might impression and it's bad and it's, it's bad like it immediately like everyone in the room including this bubble girl who's being tickled they know it's a problem like they know that it is, that is like there's an issue you could see their reactions and all of their faces and then ser Naida is like are you mocking all might This is,
0: like, the worst thing that you could do. It's
1: the worst thing you could possibly do.
0: And then the episode ends.
1: And the episode ends. This is a weird episode. (laughs) Like, I feel like I've gone on a roller coaster of emotions just talking about it.
0: Let's talk about this episode and whether we liked it. Because this this episode does some really great things. Mm -hmm. And it does some really awful things. Yeah. The stuff that it largely does to set up, overhaul, the killing of Magni aside, Mm -hmm. is very well executed. Yeah, Like, you know... If you didn't know that this guy was going to be like the villain of this arc, you know it now. Mm -hmm. And there's no question that he will pose a challenge for our heroes.
1: And there's still an air of mystery around him. Like we don't know exactly how his powers work. And we don't know what this mysterious tiny injection thing was that took away Mr. Compress's powers. We don't know if it's permanent. We don't know if it'll wear off in an hour. Like there's there's still definitely an air of mystery around there. And there's also an air of mystery over all might and his relationship with sir night and, and the problems yeah and the way that it sort of touches on that i think it's done really well
0: the the killing of your most prominent queer character not great Man, don't do that um secondarily the awkward bondage tickle machine
1: don't do that don't do that <laughs> once we have moved away from this episode a little more I feel like I'll be able to focus on some of the more positive aspects. But in the moment, it feels like it's an episode of extreme ups and downs.
0: I like the things that were done well. I really don't like the things that that weren't done well. (laughs) well. I I don't think I can say I like the episode overall, which is really interesting. Because I think most episodes we like overall that aren't like filler stuff. But this, this was not one of them. I'm very... At minimum, at minimum, I'm neutral on the episode to, to bad.
1: Yeah, I, I would say I'm I'm all over the place. Because as mentioned, I like some of this stuff. I like the All Might, Night Eye Mystery. Mirio is always great to see. But there's also so much weird and so much unfortunate stuff.
0: <laughs> Who gets the plus ultra character of the week this week for you?
1: Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't Jesus. even emotionally gotten there yet. Hmm. Do you have someone?
0: I don't think it's anyone at the school. I think if I was to give it to anybody, it's probably to overhaul. There is a guy who, he came in, he said he had a plan. Cooler heads prevailed there. They mm-hmm. didn't have to, but that was largely because he was like, look, this isn't this isn't smart. It's weird to give the plus ultra character to a villain, but I think sometimes it's deserved.
1: And you know what, because you're giving it to Overhaul, I'm going to give it to another villain. And it's going to sound kind of weird, but I'm going to give it to Shigaraki. Because even though, like, this is a, a fail for Shigaraki, this episode is a fail. But the fact that he was able to take in the feedback from Overhaul about the, his inability to have a plan. And he was able to judge the situation for what it was and how fighting further would be even further fail and was able to pull everyone back and show some sign of leadership there and potentially move on and be stronger as a result of this. I think I would have to give it to him for that.
0: I think that's a good call. Like legitimately, Shigaraki, when we met him in season one, Mm -hmm. I didn't really think much of him. No, not either.
1: To be honest.
0: He's grown so much as a character over the last several seasons which is always good to see it's good to see your villains grow Mm -hmm. and become more dangerous and he is definitely a character who learns from his mistakes
1: which is good because he he makes a bunch of them he makes a lot of mistakes (laughs) um and hey but you know that's his whole thing he has eternal tries so let's see what he does with the next one
0: there's a I, i think it's interesting that both of them have quirks that are extremely destructive
1: yeah they kind of mirror each other if you think about it
0: We'll have to talk more about that when we talk about what Overhaul's Quirk actually does.
1: Yeah, we'll get more information as we get further into this arc.
0: And the the kind of synergy between the two of them. Mm -hmm. But that's that's the episode. We did it. We got through episode two of season four. Now, if you want to talk to us about your feelings on the prominent character death, all the blood, or the bondage tickle machine you can do so at one for all cast on twitter you can also find us there directly as well i'm at incidentally anna and nancy is at
1: watch nancy tweet
0: additionally if you love the show we'd love for you to leave us a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice it really helps the show out thank you to everyone who has already reviewed we really appreciate you now don't forget nancy's got a
1: new book out it's true past and future the fourth book in the red and black series has just been released you can get it in ebook form you can get it as a paperback uh, or you can read it as part as your of your kindle unlimited subscription and it is a time travel tale has superheroics, and it was a ton of fun to write it may have a cliffhanger though just to warn you it's
0: very good thank you i got my copy in the mail the other day and i was like yes. it is now prominently displayed on my shelf it's real on the top shelf Ta-da! now i want to thank a moment thank a moment i want to take a moment Thank everybody for listening. We do the show for you. We wouldn't be here if you didn't listen. So thanks for that. A big thank you to our composer, Richard Acosta, for the opening and ending credits. We use them every week. They're fantastic. We really appreciate you, Richard. Thank you. And of course, a very special thank you to my co-host, Nancy, who is here to talk about Vonage Tickle Machines any week that they happen to show up on this show, which is hopefully never again.
1: Never again, please. No, thank you.
0: Next time, we'll be jumping into Season 4, Episode 3, Boy Meets. We'll see you then.
1: See you then.